My kid's teacher does not allow snacks in her class. But my kid is diabetic and hypoglycemic. Here's what happened. Subscribe to Am I the Jerk on YouTube and hit the bell for notifications. I, 47-year-old female, have a daughter, 13-year-old female, who's a type 1 diabetic and sometimes hypoglycemic. Due to this, we set up a 504 that says she can eat a snack in class whenever needed, along with other accommodations. Anyway, at one point, one of her teachers, who's apparently a new teacher, denies her a snack while hypoglycemic. She nearly passes out, but in the next class she's in, the teacher has enough common sense to let her eat a snack before passing out at school. When she told me, I immediately called the teacher. When she called back, I lectured her and told her that she needed to let my daughter eat a snack when needed. She says snacks aren't allowed in class, but I tell her that due to my daughter's 504, she's legally required to give my daughter an exception to that rule, and recommended she give it another read. Before hanging up, I told her that if she ever does this again, I'll contact the principal and let him know. I recorded this call on my husband's phone, by the way. A month goes by and the same thing happens again. I request a meeting with the principal and my husband plays back the call between me and the teacher. I tell him she's done this twice and needs to have a talk with her. Turns out he actually fired her for ADA violations. How would I know? I ran into her at Publix. She told me it's my fault that I got her fired over some stupid snacks and I need to stop raising an entitled brat. Instead of arguing back, I just walked away. Was I really the jerk? Did I actually go too far? No need to worry here, original poster. You're not the jerk. This teacher needed to acknowledge this child's condition. Yes, there are rules. But there are also rules regarding the 504 that are meant to allow exceptions to those rules. You can't choose which rules you want to listen to. They are both rules. If you're so rule specific, you should be on top of all of them. And yes, she should get fired. She put your daughter at risk. And if she did this for your daughter, who knows what could happen with another kid who had another condition that she wasn't willing to accept. What if she has a peanut butter sandwich sitting on her desk for lunch and the kid in the front row has a nut allergy? Is she going to ignore that and potentially just leave it there and say he's being an entitled brat? It just doesn't make sense. You were just looking out for your kid. You did nothing wrong. This woman needs to get her crap together. Clearly she hasn't done it yet. A buddy of mine has essentially what is an anti-jerk button in his line of work. My band's drummer, John, is also a sound guy. For several years before we hooked up musically, he had been doing sound for other bands I was in, as well as for touring acts I booked shows for. He's very good at what he does, and has a pretty massive rig. Anyway, he's the nicest guy in the world at band practice, at Burger King, or at a gig we're playing. But when he's running sound for other bands, he can be pretty crabby. Very little patience for bands who start late or end late. Even less patience for bands who take an encore when they're the second band playing out of five. Very little patience for singers who ask for more vocals in the monitor while cupping the microphone ball in both hands. Feedback, anyone? In general, just an altogether grouchy sound man. For example, he ran sound once for this seven or eight piece ska band. One of the trombone players said he needed two mics, one for his horn and one for his backup vocals. Normally, at this venue, a 
120-seater, John didn't bother to mic horns at all. Rolling his eyes, John set up a Shure Beta 58 and some AKG condenser mic. This Shure is for your vocals and this AKG is for your horn, okay? He said. Don't blow your horn into the vocal mic because your horn is about 30 decibels louder than your voice, and I'm going to have everything properly mixed. Horn player nods his head. During the second song of the set, apparently the trombonist was set to get a solo. Right before his solo starts, he grabs both mics and pushes them close together so that the capsules are actually touching. He then blows this fortissimo opening note into both mics. I was sitting at a table in the back by the soundboard at the time. John's limiters caught most of it, and I still had ringing in my ears for two days. At the end of the song, John mutes both of the guy's mics and leaves them mute, and basically threatens to ream out the guy's plumbing with his own horn if he ever pulls that crap again. John does this through his talkback mic, which is clearly audible over the monitors. The crowd bursts into laughter, and the horn player goes bright red in the face. At any rate, for years, I had heard John threaten bands with the suck button, bands who were taking too long to set up or whose members repeatedly focused to follow reasonable directions, please keep that vocal mic away from the monitors, for example, would be threatened. Pull that crap again and I'm going to hit the suck button on you guys. I took it to mean that he would intentionally make them sound bad, but he never followed through on the threat, so I took it as a vague general warning. So anyway, a little while back, he's running sound for a four-band show. The second band, a Matchbox 20 slash train kind of band, has him running 20 minutes behind before they even play a note because their lead guitarist was late. Their allotted set time is 40 minutes, but their last song runs over and by the time it's done, they've played for almost 45. John says quietly over the talkback mic, hey guys, you're done. The lead singer says loudly over the vocal mic, sound man says we gotta get off the stage. We got one more song for you. As they kick it into another soupy jangle rock tune. John shakes his head at me. Then the most amazing thing happened. After their encore, this band kicks straight into another song without announcing it, apparently in the hopes that John wouldn't notice it was a different song. John leads over to me to be heard over the PA and asks, Hey, wanna see the suck button? Sure, I replied. I figured he was going to muck with the levels or just turn them off or something. Instead, he reaches to one of his racks and starts scrolling through patches on his dusty Digitech unit. Sure enough, he gets to a patch titled Suck Button. He engages it and all hell breaks loose. The lead singer and lead guitarist who was singing backup immediately start to sing way off key. They try to get back in tune, fail, trail off in midline, try again, and start glaring at each other. The guitarist is so distracted by this that he starts muffing the chord progression. If not for the drummer, I think the whole song would have derailed. For the entire four minute duration of the song, I was treated to this jerk band sounding like crap and getting madder and madder at each other. John explained the patch to me. Basically, it pitch shifts all the tracks from the vocal submix up by one step, but only in the monitors. So the audience out in front of the mains was treated to the sound of two guys trying to get in tune only to be utterly confused. If they got it sounding right in the monitors, then they could tell something was grossly wrong in the mains. And each of the singers thought it was the other guy who was singing out of tune. I just about died laughing. 
Okay, I actually really love this story. This guy literally has a jerk button. I think this is something that we all need in life. Unfortunately, it wouldn't apply to all situations. But if only there was a way. Perhaps we all just need to take inspiration from this gentleman and learn to find what our own suck button is in life. Whatever profession you're in, see if you can develop a suck button to deal with the jerks that you have to deal with on a daily basis. If nothing else, maybe you'll have another Reddit post for me to read later on. Entitled parent I used to babysit for when I was 13 tries to get me to babysit again over a decade later. So there was a neighbor we had when I was in middle school and I used to babysit for her. She was a nice enough lady and she had an 8 year old at the time. I would just go over to her house with them after school for a few hours for some extra money. She eventually got different hours at her job I think. Maybe it was another reason, but either way, she didn't need me to babysit anymore after, like, six months or so. We moved about a year later, and I haven't really thought about her since. I'm now almost 25. I have my own house and work a 9-to-5 job. I got on Facebook, like, two weeks ago. I don't have the app, I just check on my computer every once in a while. And I had a message from the woman I babysat for. Her message was basically, It's been so long. How are you doing? You used to babysit my son years ago when you lived down the street. My son actually had his own baby earlier this year. I'd love for you to meet her. We could actually use someone to watch her Wednesday to Friday before my son and I get home from work. You were great with my son, so you were the first person I thought of. I was so, so confused by this message. I babysat her son for maybe six months over a decade ago, and she wants me to come and babysit her infant granddaughter now? I was the first person she thought of? I messaged her back and essentially said, it's good to hear from you. That's great that Blank had a daughter. She looks so cute in your picture. Unfortunately, I'm not interested in watching her. I'm sorry. I work until five and would be unable to anyways but I hope you find someone. So it's been two weeks since this and I have gotten, no joke, 10 more messages from her begging me to babysit her granddaughter. I barely know these people and she will not stop asking me. She even asked me to change my work schedule so I'd be able to, offering me $10 an hour to watch her. I'm about to just block her, but I could not believe how strange this was and could not believe the request she was trying to make. How entitled can you get? Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. 
Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. I'm sorry. What? What is wrong with this lady? I'm just as confused reading this as our original poster is, I think. Like, nothing here adds up. Why is our original poster the first person you thought of? And when they said no, why are you being so persistent about it? You know there's services that you can hire, right? Or go to a family member or something? But this person's literally almost a stranger to you. And the person that you knew 10 years ago isn't going to be the person they are now. They're a full-grown adult. And to top it all off, $10 an hour? Come on. If I were the original poster, though, I wouldn't block her. For the entertainment value alone. My entitled pastor brother-in-law gets all upset because I accidentally cursed in front of him. I'm a 27-year-old female and my husband is a 32-year-old male. We had his older brother, his wife, and his five kids over for dinner this weekend. My brother-in-law is a pastor at a pretty popular church in our city. Now, both myself and my husband are not very religious people by any means. We both work in the medical field. He's a cardiologist and I'm a nurse, so we've always had more scientific views on things. His side of the family is very religious though, so we always keep our views to ourselves to be respectful and go along with their religious things they do, I guess. For example, praying before eating. So for my brother-in-law and sister-in-law, one thing that they don't condone is cursing, which I'm aware of and respect when they're around. My husband and I recently bought a new house and my brother-in-law and sister-in-law have been bugging us to see it. We're pretty low contact with them as they're pretty over the top with their religious views and shame us for not having the same views. But we thought why not so we can see our nieces and nephews. Both my husband and I had this past weekend off work so we planned a dinner with them and their kids. Everyone's at the table. Sister-in-law, my husband and I are in the kitchen bringing the food over. I'm pulling one of the dishes I made out of the oven when I accidentally lose my grip and my hand hits the burning hot pan. My first reaction is yelling, ow, crap, except I didn't say crap. My sister-in-law gasps. My husband comes running over asking if I'm okay and that I should have let him take that out. I grab some ice and head over to the table. My brother-in-law, who's sitting at the head of the table, is sitting there silently kind of shaking his head. Not even an are you all right or anything. First thing he says to me is that that cursing was very offensive to my family and I. You know we don't condone that. Are you going to apologize to me? I'm sitting there kind of in shock for a moment when my husband comes to my defense and starts explaining to brother-in-law that it wasn't intentional and that it was an in-the-moment reaction. He starts going off about how that's unacceptable and a person of his rank doesn't condone or want to be in the presence of vile words like that. So I say back to him, I'm sorry, brother-in-law. Maybe if you weren't acting so holier than thou and got up and helped us in the kitchen, I wouldn't have cursed. 
first. And my hand's fine, by the way, thanks for asking. They leave shortly after dinner, and ever since then, my husband's side of the family has been bombarding us with texts about how we embarrassed brother-in-law and sister-in-law, sending us quotes from the Bible and articles about why cursing is unholy and things like that. My husband and I have honestly been getting a good laugh out of this and think that everyone is overreacting. I kind of feel bad though for my nieces and nephews, and feel like maybe I should have bitten my tongue, but I don't know, am I the jerk? I'm sorry, you're asking if you're the jerk for having a completely normal reaction to being in sudden immense pain? No, you're not. I'm going to avoid getting into too much religious stuff here just to try and keep this as clean as possible for you guys. We don't need any controversy. Everyone's entitled to believe in whatever they want to believe in. But that goes both ways. You have to understand that other people don't live your way of life. And in that split moment, you need to understand that that's a perfectly normal reaction. Acting all high and mighty in the way you are isn't making you a better person. It doesn't put you above the person that you're putting down. They're in pain and you're being a complete jerk over a word. A simple sound that when it comes out of someone's mouth, people decided a few hundred years ago that it was offensive. Believe it or not, society changes. It evolves. Just because you've chosen not to doesn't mean you can expect the same from everyone else. Original poster, not a jerk. Brother-in-law, grade A jerk. Holy or not. When our parents died, my brother refused to look after me. Now years later, he needs help. Well, guess what, buddy? I'm a 24-year-old male, and my parents passed away when I was very young. I have three siblings, a sister, and two brothers. All of them are much older than me. After my parents passed away, I wanted to live with either my sister or my second brother, but both of them made it very clear that they don't want me. I didn't want to go with my oldest brother because he's our half-brother, and I wasn't close to him and he lived in another city away from all my friends and the rest of our family. But he was the only one who wanted me, so I went with him. Unlike what I thought, my oldest brother is actually awesome, and I have a very good life. I still live with him. My other siblings didn't even bother to call much. This was just some short background to catch you up. Recently, my second brother lost everything. I don't know or care about what happened. All I know is he's in a very bad spot. My sister left the country a few years ago, so my oldest brother is the only one who can help him. A few days ago, my oldest brother told us my brother and his family, wife and sons 11 and 17, want to move in with us for a while because they have no other option. His wife doesn't have a family. We live in a five-bedroom house. My brother's room, my room, his daughter's room, his son's room, and our gaming room. So we have the space for them to move in. My brother said he doesn't want to force us to give up our space and wants us to figure out something that works for us. My nephew said he's fine with giving up the gaming room or sharing for a short time, but I said screw them. I'm not sharing or giving up anything for them, and my niece does what I say, so she's on my side. My brother said he's a bit disappointed but won't force us to do anything. However, my second brother and his wife thinks we're being selfish jerks. Yeah, this one just really feels like a story of what goes around comes around. I mean, you can't really blame our original poster for feeling anything different. This brother essentially was ready to abandon him, and now, years later, he's in a situation where he can't look after himself and needs help. Honestly, I just feel like he's getting a taste of his own medicine here. Don't get me wrong, I hope they figure everything out, and it has been a long time since this initially happened, so I hope the second brother has grown into a more mature adult. But I understand how our original poster feels, and I'm not going to call them a jerk because of it.
My family leaves me behind on a trip and is then surprised when I decide to do the same thing to them. When I was 15 or 16, my sister was invited to a medical study for a disability she has. As a part of this study, her and my parents traveled to DC three times over the course of a year. The first time, I couldn't go because my parents couldn't afford to buy me a ticket on top of what the study was funding. They found out when they were there that they would have totally funded my ticket. So when the second trip was lining up with the week of my 16th birthday, I was super excited because I thought I could finally see DC. I wasn't able to afford my school's 8th grade trip, so the idea of a sweet 16 in DC was the best thing in the world to me, especially as a kid who was really interested in politics. My parents didn't allow me to go on this trip because the week we would have been there would have conflicted with my first day of school. I have an early September birthday. I was completely devastated because not only were my DC dreams crushed, but I was also going to be alone for my 16th birthday. My best friend's parents ended up letting me stay with them for the week so that we could do something special for my birthday. I don't even remember why I couldn't go on the third trip. Probably something to do with school as well. They had a lot of time to sightsee and have fun, and it was a bummer to miss out on that with my family. I'm now 30 and I'm about to see DC for the first time as I'm interviewing for a job. It's the ideal job because it's half remote and half on site, and I'd be able to split my time between DC and New York City. My interview is on Tuesday, but I'm flying in tomorrow to have some extra days to really see everything I want to see, and also just to give myself time to relax before a high stakes interview. I'm funding this extra trip with some inheritance money I received late last year. When my parents found out about this trip, they asked if I could use some of that inheritance to fly them out so we could finally do a family trip together. They said they could show me some of the places they know and what became their favorite parts of DC on their trips. While I do have enough money to cover it, I don't particularly want to. I want this to be my own special trip where I'm doing what I want to do and seeing what I want to see. I also want the time that weekend to relax and not have to go on a tour of all the places my family went to without me. I understand it's petty and that it's been a long time since all of that, but it still sort of hurts to think about even though it's not a huge deal in the grand scheme of things. I told them no, and they're making it out to seem like I'm rejecting them and acting in revenge for these past trips, which is actually not true. It has way more to do with the stress of the interview and wanting to protect my peace than it does for any idea of revenge. I feel fine in my decision, but my family has called me a spiteful jerk. So I'm here as a reality check for myself. Okay, so you understand that yes, it is maybe a little petty to be making this decision based off of those past experiences. But you know what? I think you're allowed to. Given what they did, it was a really jerk move on their part. And how they're feeling now is how you felt as a 16-year-old on your birthday. The reality check that's happening here is solely for them. They're getting a massive wake-up call as to how they made you feel as a teenager, that you felt excluded from the family. I feel like we've got another case of what goes around comes around. While this action may be a little bit entitled and petty and jerky, I feel our original poster is allowed in this instance. An eye for an eye, if you will, right? When you subscribe, make sure to hit the bell to turn on notifications. Put the playlist on in the background to finish listening to all the stories linked at the top of the description. And if you like Am I the Jerk, give Am I the Genius a shot, linked in the description as well. Either way, thanks a lot for watching, and we'll see you guys next time.